Brian's a very chatty uh, ch- uh, Kathy. Yes. Yeah, but luckily he's also an interesting Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> you don't always get <laughs> you don't always get those. No, they don't they don't always coincide. In fact, it's maybe more rare than not. <laughs> An interesting Irene. Mm. Hello and welcome to Think Outside the Box Set. It's a podcast uh, about learning about learning to appreciate artists that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. And it's the podcast is also about uh, nailing the intro and getting all the words right every single time, which I do because I'm Nathan Hunt and I'm Cameron Dewitt. And Nathan, you want peace? I need peace. He need peace. And by he, I mean our guest who I'm going to introduce in just a minute. We need Spoiler. peace. What I suggest is that we fight for nutmeg uh-huh. if it's the last thing we ever do. You know, that that sounds like a solid plan, Cameron. <laughs> Not, what could <laughs> possibly go wrong? <laughs> I think, it, uh, yeah, it's it's a little too obvious, if anything. Uh, so we're covering Fishbone. Uh, if you're just tuning in. Uh, not starting at the first episode of season 16, I think outside the box set. And uh, we, one of the people who recommended Fishbone when I put out a little social media blast saying we want to cover some ska artist um, uh, was Brian Slattery, one of my old friends in the old time music community. And he's joining us today. Hey. <laughs> there he is. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to be here. It's going to be like that, a trip down memory lane. So, so um, one of the fish, cool stories that head. Brian shared... Uh, <laughs> Overtalk. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's one what of makes the, radio work. <laughs> it's the engine that One powers of the stories it. that... Uh, God damn it. We haven't done a three-person episode in a while. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> We're, I, th- I think this is going great. We're nailing it, you guys. All right, Nathan, how about you introduce our guest? <laughs> uh, this is my best friend uh, from way back. We've known each other for decades now. Uh, this is Brian. Yes, it's been 57 years, uh, as far as I know. 58, Has it really maybe. been that little? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it feels like 107. I know, right? I know. So much history. So, Brian, maybe we should explain what this show is. <laughs> okay. we, Nathan and I wanted to do. <laughs> Did we not? Wanted to make a podcast. Uh, I don't. How long has it been, Nathan? Like three, three years. Uh, yeah, three and a half, I think. Uh, that was the first goal, just to make a, a podcast. Yeah. Um, which is always a great place to start. Yeah. Um, to have to not have a spark of. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it occurred to me at the time that um, Garth Brooks was like the best selling solo artist in the US of all time. And I had never listened to any of his music. And I wanted to know why. And I wanted an explanation for why he made so much goddamn money. Like why uh, he's like a big deal. Why he's a big deal. Because I just right. like, I never, <laughs> I never opted in. I never, uh, you know, whether it was for demographic reasons or because like I was telling you in a conversation earlier, I just spent most of my youth listening to like 
Christian music in my parents' car. <laughs> uh, this I is just, really like, something. That's that's a that's a heck of a bass to start from. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it's kind of a bass. <laughs> it really preps it's a, you. It's well. a, a handicap, uh, if anything. <laughs> Unless we cover a Christian artist at some point. And there were people on that uh, social media blast who wanted us to talk about um, Five Iron Frenzy, the the Christian ska band. And Nathan, uh, I didn't particularly want to, but Nathan said, absolutely not. (laughs) But mostly (laughs) because I'm too too familiar with that. There's so many issues with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There are are already enough issues. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think the main the main thing that disqualified it was just we typically don't try to cover artists that we're super familiar with, and uh, Five Iron was my brother's favorite band for years, and so oh. I'm pretty familiar with them, uh, much to my chagrin. <laughs> Although they do have a, a, a song about uh, supporting riots and criticizing the police, which is pretty cool. Oh, good. Go. Yeah. Well, that's something. It's something. Baby steps. Uh, so after we finished Garth Brooks, we just um, started talking about other artists that we wanted to, recording artists, that we wanted to understand their cultural impact, um, mm. like uh, ICP or Alanis Morissette. Um, who else? T-Pain. Uh, anyone that had some sort of, like, I don't know, public idea. Like, the people had some sort of idea about the artist, and I wanted to, uh, and uh, we wanted to figure out does the music merit that opinion that the, that is publicly held of this artist and things like that. And, um, yeah, right. It took That's us a while, cool. but ska, ska, <laughs> we were, were like, there, we, neither and of third, us have and much third ska wave experience. ska, no less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, and then uh, that's where you come into the picture, because um, you're in the the X generation, and you that's right. were playing that's right. music in bands when uh, that was an acceptable genre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it is, it is interesting that there's, like, that it, it turns out to, like, you could make a good argument that first wave ska has outlived third wave ska. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lovely sentiment. <laughs> You know, it's, it is, it is something like that, that that's, that that's true. Like it's, should we, should we outline which, like, what are the broad sort of parameters of each wave? Oh, Um, sure. Sure. I don't know if I know super well personally. It's pretty easy. So the, so first wave ska, which obviously wasn't called first wave ska. um, Sure. (laughs) They just called their shot. (laughs) It was they just call it called last ska. Wave ska yeah, I mean, it was you know, it was just called ska, and so it's a, so. Long story short, the idea is that um, ska is born when you have a bunch of musicians in Jamaica who can play R and B and jazz, and then they this this would be like in the sixties, um, like early sixties, mm-hmm. and then they combine it with um, traditional Rastafarian rhythms to create ska. Mm-hmm. So like the like the archetypal bands for that wave is the Scatolites, who were the house bands for Studio One in Kingston, huh. mm-hmm. and when they weren't like so they're like the sound of that studio for starters. Like all of those early Whalers albums when the Whalers were teenagers are basically backed up by the Scatolites. I mean, as are oh, like a whole bunch of those. Like what they did, they, they're basically like Motown, right? Like they had this band that sat in the studio and people would come in with their songs. And then gotcha. the Scatolites would like play the songs and 
But then apparently the Scatolites also had the like all of their albums that they released by themselves are basically like they wrote a bunch of tunes that you would basically describe as jazz tunes. Like they wrote ahead and then they'd improvise and then they'd come back to the head and the song was over. Mm. Um, So they did that. And they also covered like straight up like jazz tunes. Like I actually heard the caravan, like, you know, the Duke Ellington band's caravan. Like I thought it was a ska tune. Because the, oh. the first version I heard of it was the Scatolites, which is really good. But they is that is that the one that goes dan dan ding ding beep and now yeah yeah Those yeah notes exactly <laughs> they exactly like that yeah so anyway so the, the, but there's a whole bunch of bands that are like that um and then Skog had like a pretty long run as a genre before it kind of like morphed into um rock steady and then into reggae. And there's a couple other steps in there that I, I admit I'm sort of slightly unfamiliar with. There's like this brief period where like, like Rastafarianism becomes this huge deal. And then mm. that's how like ska kind of goes from being like a fairly secular deal to being like a very religious deal. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. And like, so then that's that. So like, so ska kind of ended in Jamaica, um, you know, like, like by like seven, by like maybe like 71 or 72, um, the same, it was like the same musicians, like all these people had grown up playing ska and then like as teenagers say, and mm-hmm. then when they were in their twenties, they're like, we do reggae now. Like there's this, like, you know, this is such a detour, but you know, the Paul Simon song, mother and child reunion. Yeah. I yeah. Love that song. So, yeah. So he actually like wrote that thinking it was going to be like a ska song. And then went down to Jamaica to record it, which is very cool of him, right? Mm-hmm. And he got yeah. there like just in time for Scott to be over. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and like the guys in the studio are like, "We play this thing called reggae now." He's like, "What's that?" And they're like, "Here it is." And like, so that's a reggae song because and he was like, <gasps> "Yeah." And he called I up his for, cousin right? uh, Marvin oh Barry, and he was like, "Marvin." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, totally. he calls up his cousin. His name is Marvin Barry, and he says. Right, Chuck, the new sound you've been looking for. <laughs> yeah, to absolutely. So anyway, so ska kind of like goes by the wayside the way that something like Rockabilly would would have gone by the wayside. And then mm. it was sort of rediscovered um, in the early 80s, like late 70s, early 80s. Second wave ska is pretty short-lived and it happened in the UK. Mm. And um, it was... That's like the like the the archetypal band for that would be something like the Specials, or like Madness, and it was really like this is the this is like your one of your examples of like, like, it's basically like white dudes discovering Jamaican music, mm-hmm. and like reggae is too hard, but they can kind of do ska, <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> like, so they do ska, and because like because reggae is really hard, which we'll get to in a minute, mm. <laughs> and. That so there's this brief fluorescence of ska that happens in the UK, and then I that is kind of enough. So the the resurgence of ska in the UK is associated with punk in a big way. Like you you can hear like the like the Clash tried to do tried to do some like decent reggae on some of their albums. Mm-hmm. Like they there was a lot of overlap, and I think there was a lot of social overlap too. Like it would be like you know like white punks and Jamaicans in London would be hanging out. Mm-hmm. kind of a thing like i think it was it it sounds like it was like really pretty there was a lot of like camaraderie among them you know and huh 
There's like a solidarity case, there that maybe I think so. one side thought was symmetrical and the other side probably didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think that like but I think that the intent like I think that the intentions of those musicians were were like quite good. Like the yeah, like the clash cool. was pretty the clash was pretty keen on like like if they played ska they'd be like, "Oh, that's pretty good." They're like, "Yeah, like you should hear actual ska musicians play this." You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that that's kind great. of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in any case, um, because of punk, like when it gets to the United States and this would be like, now we're talking like mid eighties and it took them, it took like a few years for it to get going, but like third wave ska happens in the United States. And it's basically like what happens when U S punk musicians discover ska and reggae for themselves. Mm-hmm. So you get this like influx, but they're like, but they're getting it now, like kind of like third hands. Like this is, um, Sky records were like kind of hard to come by then, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. So it's like they only had like a little bit of stuff to work with, and um, you know, if maybe they managed to see some of the bands live or something like that. So in any case, they like that sound of like Fishbone's first album, and the sound of like a whole bunch of the third wave ska to come after it yeah. is basically like what happens when you get ska infused with like punk and metal, mm. which is what the like. Which is what those like if if those guitar players weren't playing ska like they could play punk and they could play metal so like if you if they take a solo that's what it sounds like <laughs> right <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know but then they also have a horn section and they and they ramp up the rhythms like they're probably like twice as fast if I had to guess so like by like the mid their early by the early nineties there's a whole bunch of bands that sound like that and that's third wave ska mm-hmm. okay. which you know, then sort of like persist through the 90s, I guess. And then, I mean, I guess there are a couple of bands out there still kind of like carrying the torch for that stuff. But yeah, I feel like is there kind anyone of had that's like, like trying to make a fourth wave? <laughs> I don't... Or sputtered out? I don't know. I mean, you know, the chances are decent that there will be a fourth wave <laughs> at <laughs> some point. But, you know... Who knows? Hey, sea shanties Bring, are having a second wave at the moment. Yeah, right. Exactly. Get exactly. It, wave. I don't know. I'll yeah, be here all day. That's great. That's lovely, so, Nathan. <laughs> Keep it up. So, if you wanted, like, if like, why I know all of this is because, so when I was in high school in Ithaca, New York, I there was a another guy in my high school who who emigrated from Cote d'Ivoire, and he was like this hardcore like roots reggae dance hall guy and he's like he's like you know this guy in a in the middle of central new york and he's like i'm gonna start a reggae band and he was in high school so he basically like picked all the people who he could find like who he could find as a high school student to like be his bands and i played like first trombone in the school band and the school orchestra so he's like you want to be in my reggae band and i was like yeah sure because i actually i had heard a bunch of reggae at that point i really liked it and so he basically assembled this band and then like (laughs) taught like all of us like white kids how to play reggae (laughs) he's like he's like you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this and he gave us all like our homework that we had to do to learn how to play it right and um yeah so he assembled this band and he was like a real band leader like he wrote all the songs he did all the business side of it and like the reggae at that point was like kind of probably the least popular it's ever been in my lifetime. Uh-huh. So the result of that is that like we were like this local reggae band 
who opened for like touring acts that came through central New York and they happened to be like Toots and the Maytals mm. <laughs> and, the, so and like cool. Burning Spear and the Whalers. And they all played to like, we played in this one club that had like 150 person capacity and like they could, they could pack that place, but they couldn't pick, they couldn't book a bigger club than that. And huh. they had these like high school students opening for them. I mean, it, I met, I always imagine like what the what they were thinking like like what is like Toots, what was Toots Hibbert thinking yeah. when he drives <laughs> up to like to this like town in the middle of upstate New York and then there's like 150 people who are super psyched to see him but like there's only 150 of them and then there's these high schoolers I mean, he must have been like what am I doing with my life right <laughs> and then it's like but then you know like the thing is is that you go fast forward 10 years and they're playing like stadiums again like uh. the, you know reggae became it just had this like they had this like dip and then came back and they just kind of like hung in there. And so I just happened to be there and it was really, really unpopular. (laughs) And like, that was the, that was the deal. So it meant that like we opened for like people like that. And then we also opened for all of the third wave ska bands that would be touring. And, um, the rest of us in the band really wanted to play third wave ska songs and to get, his name is Inza. We wanted to get Inza to write third wave ska songs, but he refused because he was basically, he didn't say it this way. I mean, I think (laughs) if it was happening now, he would, but he was basically like, you know, that's like what white people do to this music. And I am not that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am the boss of this band. So he was basically like, you know, we play roots reggae and we play dance hall, dance hall being the, like what was popular in Jamaica in the, at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. Like reggae had turned into this reggae had turned into dance hall by then. And dub, but we didn't do dub. We just did dance hall. Mm-hmm. But that was that was the deal. So like we did these two genres, and then like it was either roots reggae bands or um, third wave ska bands that we opened for. Mm-hmm. So that's my story. <laughs> wow, that's that's such a like gift to be like needed <laughs> in order to do some cultural, you know, to be invited in out of necessity. You know what? Totally. It was it was really cool. And like I didn't um I appreciate it more now than I did then, um, for sure. Uh at, but even at the time I remember this sense of like discovering like a whole other worlds that otherwise mm. I would never have had access to. I mean, for starters, like it's this cra- it was like this huge crash course in like what Rastafarianism is <laughs> mm-hmm. right you know which was like hours and hours and hours of conversations about like what it was and what it meant and you know because then it, it was also that big question of like what it meant that what it meant that like we were playing that music you know yeah. you know we were like I'm I'm one of those people who like tries to take that kind of thing seriously and you sort of realize like yeah like we're basically playing like gospel music for Rastafarians and like do we really have a place here and the only yeah. reason that we had a place there was because Inza told us to do it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know like, and I was, you know, like I, I took that pretty seriously. Like it would never ever, like when I, I haven't played, I haven't played reggae since. And there would, it would be a pretty high bar for me to even, it would have to be a really similar circumstance, you know, where like somebody who is calling the shots and who is leading the mission just says like, can you play this bit part in this band? I'd be like, sure. Yeah. But it would like I wouldn't dream of like being like <laughs> I'm going to start a reggae project. <laughs> like every once in a while I play reggae songs, but like that's different than being like I am going to be like a reggae musician, which is this whole other kettle of fish mm-hmm. to, you know to navigate 
and yeah, it's it's it was cool. It's it's been really good preparation for our current political moment, as you can imagine. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah, that was that, that that's come in very handy. Also, you know that this like this isn't for for like a middle aged white guy. This this is it like my first couple times around that track were like a long time ago. <laughs> So, yeah, you you probably got to make nice. a f- like make a fool out of yourself when everyone else was because that you're teenagers, you know. Totally. So it's like an acceptable time to be totally um, oblivious. Also, you before just are everything oh, and, and, and oblivious we oh, yeah. were. <laughs> I mean, and definitely oblivious we were. And I mean, the like the adults in the room were like very kind to us about that i think that they could see that our intentions were i I, I always comes back to intentions right like i think that they could see that our intentions were good Mm -hmm. and that like we were being respectful of the music you know even even though like occasionally some like really stupid stuff would come out of our mouths but like they were just like you're 17 what you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's what happens when you're 17 you say dumb things and then adults correct you and you you learn how to understand when you're being corrected (laughs) yeah so yeah so third like so third wave ska was like a like the soundtrack to like the last couple years of high school third third wave ska and roots reggae and then when the bass player and i were driving around to gigs we either listened to velvet underground or tom waits (laughs) (laughs) that's it Um, did you mention which instrument you were playing at this time? Or oh no, I, just... I played I played trombone. Oh, yeah. awesome! Yeah, I played trombone. Ska band is a good yeah. place for to play a trombone, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, trombone's a great instrument all around. It's it's uh, it's it's um it's good that people don't take it seriously because it's super fun and it's the one that like people like for a live bands. The trombone is the one that makes everyone go yeah. <laughs> when you play it really loud <laughs> so yeah so, so the the reason that I um, suggested Fishbone is because I think that Fishbone is the that their first album which is just called Fishbone and Eddie, I'm sure you covered it already the, their first album is like this incredible blueprint for third wave ska it was like mm. it's 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 almost like it, like you listen to it now and it sounds like straight up third wave ska. So it's hard to sort of imagine that that sound hadn't really been invented yet. Mm. Huh? <laughs> like it's really early, really really early, and like they were they sort of like helped create that sound. And like third wave ska bands didn't actually get all that far away from it. Like Fishbone got Fishbone was like done with that particular sounds. By right. like after they finished that album, they're like, okay, next, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, then, and then meanwhile, like you know, dozens of bands were like, let's sound like Fishbone's first album <laughs> forever. <laughs> that was that, yeah. And then like Fishbone just headed off in this whole other like much more like interesting and weird direction that still has tons of tons of ska in it, but like they were like already mixing it with other things. You know, even as even as third wave ska was getting codified, they were still like adding ingredients. Basically, have you seen Fishbone live? I have never seen them live. Um, the the big thing was that like they like so by the time I was old enough, they would have they were like a bigger band than that. Like they wouldn't have come anywhere near to my Ithaca. hometown. Yeah, like that was just not yeah. happening. And like 
and then um yeah i mean that was that like i went to i went to college in like rural massachusetts so they weren't coming there either (laughs) (laughs) and then there would have been an opportunity if i had like thought to do it like there was a point where there was like this big sort of like jam band festival that's about half an hour from where i live now and if i'd had the presence of mind i could have seen them when they played that but i actually haven't had that many opportunities to see fishbone Mm. yeah yeah well uh, that's the deal yeah today we're we're talking about uh chim chim's badass badass revenge which which i had never heard until this week (laughs) so it's very exciting yeah cool I'm, i'm glad we were able to well i'm glad you're willing to talk about an album that you haven't heard much i mean and I'm glad you're excited too, specifically. Oh, I think it's better, uh, right? It's much better. This this <laughs> is my favorite one so far. I, I don't know if we want to do like a go around with like general <laughs> thoughts, but like I I th- I thought this one was the best one. Uh, and obviously, I, I'm in a very different I'm in a very different space every time I listen to this because I always listen to uh, the the albums, you know. Monday morning while I'm trying to facilitate um, online school and like cleaning up after a very messy baby. And, you know, sometimes I'm not always in like the most forgiving mood <laughs> when I'm like, <laughs> when I'm listening to the, uh, these albums, but uh, I don't know. There's a lot of variables, but this morning I really enjoyed listening to it. I thought it was really interesting. And uh, there was a lot less of the stuff that, um, uh, kind of actively upset me <laughs> uh, ab- ab- about some of the earlier albums. You should probably uh, like, tell me what actively upset you about the earlier albums. Yeah, like there, yeah, the, there's like some some pretty like upsetting misogyny. Um, oh and, yeah, oh yeah, and, I mean, there's tons. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some really like incel like in incel stuff. Like we can't get laid and we're mad at women because of it and. Um, a lot of that kind of thing, uh, little bits of like, you know, I mean, gay panic in the way that it was just constantly in everything I've seen from the nineties, just like the gays. (laughs) They're so scary. (laughs) I mean, for Uh, sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think one of the main things that I like kind of disliked other than the, you know, cultural stuff was there, there were some moments in the earlier albums kind of in the in the in in the deep parts in the albums you know not necessarily like the big singles but where i was just like this doesn't feel like a song this doesn't feel very intentional to me and it doesn't feel very mm. edited and i'm not enjoying what's ha- what feels like is happening spontaneously it's like I, mm. I i can enjoy spontaneous stuff but it just felt like very unedited sometimes and i was like i don't know what you're trying to say or what you're trying to do and I don't know how to trust you <laughs> in what you're doing, <laughs> music, musically and artistically. Right. <laughs> and this album, I don't necessarily have like solid answers on what they're trying to do. But a thing that keeps happening in in this one is there's all these like through composed songs that have really bizarre forms that feel like they must have been just it just feels like it must have taken so much work to rehearse these almost like I thought ska the same, operas. I Scopras. thought the same thing. I was, yeah, I mean, I was, lis- absolutely. I thought the same thing when I was listening to it. I was going like, this sounds like it was so much work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like coming up with all of that, like all of the horn arrangements, you're just like, 
I mean, especially thinking that like I don't I don't think that they're a band that that wrote out everything. I'm almost positive right. that they that they just like jam their tunes into existence, and the idea that they like got these horn lines out of that process is like <laughs> pretty amazing to me. Yeah, there's, and all the a like of them, tempo like, changes. That is, yes, it's like that is that is some very, that's a lot of stuff to remember. <laughs> and when when there's that yeah. much intent around around the uh, the arrangements uh, arranging around these really bizarre lyric forms that are just sort mm-hmm. of rambly and bizarre it it makes me I feel like it gives a lot of credit to those lyrics because they're like no we really intend to say these things on these pitches and these rhythms because we're arranging heavily and excruciatingly around <laughs> it um, yeah so it's like this right. is what this is what we want to say this is edited if we didn't want to say it, we would have said something easier to write around, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I just feel like right. a lot more, it's like more hospitable in that, <laughs> to me, in my ear. I don't know. That was my, that was my feeling about it. Uh, and, and the drums were amazing. Uh, I think they just have the same drummer. Uh, Fish. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> Is yeah. his name just Fish Fisher or something? <laughs> On the credits? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this, this goes to the thing of, like, the reason I mean in the back of my mind, the reason that I suggested this band for you to listen to in the first place is that I think that they are like the reason why I'm okay with all of the things that are problematic about them <laughs> is uh-huh. that is that there's I think that they were I think that they are carrying the torch for a a kind of like a particular kind of black music. Um, at mm. a time when it was not very popular or or yeah. easy to do, like they like they're sort of like the they're like the little link between like P funk, which was you know you know also kind of in decline at that point mm-hmm. as a band. Yeah, they're like they're like the link between P funk and Outkast. Uh, <laughs> they're like they're, okay. like they're like how you can put them together. Uh-huh. You know, it's like there is because there's really like there's really that point of like it again. Like I always think about what it must have been like to be those musicians at you know in the '90s when it's like they were they had this message that they had that they had been you know going at for decades. And in the '90s, it was really hard for them to like get get that message out. And like you know, like George Clinton now is like this elder statesman of music, right? He plays like jazz festivals, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like he, he's so respected, and he should be respected. But like you know, in the '90s, he was like kind of a joke to people, and like right. that. You know, you think about how unfair that was. Like that guy had like an amazing record, and you know, he's then like here comes Fishbone, where they're just like, hey, we love what you do. Like, like they show up on each other's stuff in the '90s as this. You know, it's like they're. Fishbone was there to kind of like carry that torch hmm. through to like the early 2000s when suddenly people were interested in that sound again mm-hmm. and that message and like that sort of set of ideas. So like like all of the like I feel like all of the scatological stuff that Fishbone does is basically their like giant homage to P-Funk. Like yeah. there's there's so many like I mean, there's so many P funk songs that are about poop. I mean, there's so many, and you're like, you're like, right? They're doing the same thing, even even in some ways, like in the same like cadences 
And that even that sort of like rambling thing that you're talking about, like that was how like George Clinton got through like half of his records. He just sits there like talking <laughs> <laughs> while people and like you would you might describe it as rapping, except that he's kind of just talking really. Like it's what makes it great. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, there's just all these kind of like interesting little riffs and ideas floating around and like he like that guy knew what he was doing too. Like there was a kind of, like you say, there was like a kind of like intentional sloppiness to the whole thing. You know, it's like he wasn't like, there's a reason that like the, the band that once backed James Brown joined P-Funk. Like they wanted to do something a little different. Like George Clinton is like, I am not James Brown. I am not this like tight, super tight thing. I'm this like super sloppy thing. Mm. Yeah. And I think that Fishbone was sort of similar where they're like, you know, we can, we can, we can play super tight if we want to, but we don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> Get sloppy with it. I have these, these sloppy, sloppy songs and we want to, and we want to yell and sing and scream about poop in <laughs> yeah. all registers of our voice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But like, but I think that they, they like, they did that in the nineties knowing like they were using all of the, like the, like, crazy la- layers of meaning that like the their predecessors had put on that kind of stuff like huh. there's this there's this whole set of meanings like the scatological songs are also about black liberation <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and like that's the deal like it's all connected like in in, in george clinton's shtick this whole thing is all connected. Like these ideas of like spiritual awakening and black liberation and scatological humor, like the word funk is like, right. It smells bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? And like, he leaned like really hard into that. And like that, that was all connected. And I think for fishbone, it's all connected too. you know, because I think ultimately what they're getting at is that it's like, you are liberated by having fun. You're liberated yeah. by expressing mm-hmm. joy and like laughing while you're dancing is part of the deal. And it's part of how you like access this idea of like, I, you know, of liberation, like the, mm-hmm. the kind of freedom that they were going for. Well, maybe, maybe we should use that as a, uh, as a segue to talk about, we can jump around. We, I don't think we'll get to all of these songs, but we should talk about in the cube. Because that's yeah. probably the most <laughs> scatological song Definitely. on this album. <laughs> I think that's, that's track three. Right. <laughs> Let's take a listen. But living in shit with shit and being all about shit ain't my style. So I'm up to the front I go. As the ass rim where the sun and the snow. Melt into a river of sweetly clear water. Deep in the toilet through deep to love you. I like that they go do deep do, and then the next time around they say deep in the toilet deep do do. It's a fun little variation. It's funny how big of an impact that variation has. Yeah. <laughs> do I can't deep do. It, but it absolutely does. <laughs> well, let me pull myself up and out of this toilet that I'm in. It's liberating for a little while, but living in shit with shit and being all about shit ain't my style. So up to the front I go, past the ass rim where the sun and the snow melt into a river of sprinkly <laughs> clear water. <sighs> That's verse one. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it gets super cosmic uh, at the end. Um, they sing... God made the devil, but the devil makes us weak sometimes. 
So are we fighting against a part of God or is a part of God's creation lying? Let some woman or man deem himself special because when your label is gone, your road is long back to the minerals and vitamins where you belong. Uh, And I feel like that's supposed to be kind of like a reversal of that idea of like, I'm trying to lift myself out of this, uh, <laughs> out of the toilet, the cube. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why they call the cube, the toilet. Yeah, yeah, the like, cube is, the cube is the hard one to parse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really not sure what that's about. Uh, but you wonder it if seems it was like, like a place like, that they knew of, like a specific place that they know and like they're referencing it for themselves. Is it maybe like referred to the, the room of the bathroom or like a porta potty or something who knows <laughs> <laughs> well it definitely means something specific and it's de- <laughs> and well, I, mean, I think we need to get to the bottom of it <laughs> yeah uh this bears <laughs> further right. research so let's pause the the podcast and uh shall we just uh, reconjoin in like a about maybe two hours after we've done all research <laughs> cool <laughs> I, I feel like what he's trying to say at the end there is like a it's like to ashes you will return, but it's shit instead of ashes. I feel like that's what they're trying to say. Um, I don't necessarily know why. It feels somehow I mean, it's political. Very, I I like with this album in particular. I really did keep going back to P Funk. Like it's very Maggot Brain, right? Like at the beginning of Maggot Brain when he has I, his. I'm not familiar with that. The shtick at the beginning of Maggot Brain is Mother Earth is pregnant again for the third time. We all have knocked her up. Um, I have tasted wow. the maggots in the mind of the universe, but I was not offended, for I knew that I had to rise above it all or drown in my own shit. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. pretty similar. A game that Cameron yeah, has yeah. been playing on the Nintendo Switch involves mind maggots. A Divinity 2 game. It's a bunch of mind maggots. <laughs> Remember? Cameron, you're giving me a blank Oh, yeah, there are mind maggots I'm in panicking. <laughs> no, it's just, no, it's just it was Skype's fault. No, I'm right there with you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that was my, uh, that was what I had to contribute because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the devil, the dookie that threatens my friends and me. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are probably yeah. lyrics that we're giving a lot of attention to that they that they may not have given as much attention to <laughs> as we're yeah, giving right now. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Like it is. Uh, I I think part of the show is like you know reading transcribed lyrics and often right. We've been reading them from uh, Genius Lyrics, uh, Genius dot com lyrics, and mm-hmm. often there's all these really bizarre spellings. Um, mm-hmm. oh, in yeah. Fishbones albums when the, the lyrics are transcribed and I think it's because they're transcribed from like liner notes or something because they're bizarrely spelled in really specific ways like mm. uh, there was like this one song a couple albums ago where the, the, they spelled the word fuck um, F-U-C-K F-U-Q-U-E and then mm. um, like F-U-C-C or something like all in like the same stanza Nice. And I was like, this must be, this must be, there must be a reason for this. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like it was transcribed from the, the lyric booklet or something like that. Right. Um, which is another, it's just, if that's true, there's such lyrics to decide these need to be written down so that people can parse these. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I have some sand samples I would like us to take a listen to. Um, first of all, I feel like the hooks, the horn hooks in uh, in this album are the best in out of any of the ones that we've listened to so far. I they're really the good. They're, they're really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are really good. Uh, so Nathan, do you want to cue that up? Yeah. That rules. I love that. Yeah, yeah we yeah. Brian, as a as a, go ahead, go ahead, Nathan. I was just gonna say, like, we I, I've missed that from from Fishbone. Like we I, I think I was hoping to hear more horns and like ska influence in their music and the last couple albums have been very metal and hardcore and punk and a lot less of like fun horn stabs and stuff. Yeah, you definitely get you it's like they were saving them up for this one, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> Because really meanwhile, like like that particular horn line is like, like that's that's like a classic, like a quite beautifully classic sort of reggae style horn section, like mm-hmm. all those like open fourths and like even like the even the the rhythm of it, like the way that they shake out, it's like it's great, it's great. It's one of those things of like right, you write that horn section when you have listened to like a shit ton of reggae <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say brian uh uh as you know as a horn player if you could speak to like it feels like these horn parts the harmonies and the way they're stacked up feel a lot crunchier than a yeah. typical like white third wave ska horn part like yes. a less than jake horn part yeah yeah and they also like not only that but they also sounds like i feel like fishbone's Fishbone's horn parts are great because they are so crunchy, right? I think that like they, I think that they managed to really get at the, like the, there's there's like the, there's a lot to unpack here, um, <laughs> but they're getting at the um, like the like the old sky recordings, like the the horns, like the horn parts are super crunchy and like really intentionally so. I mean the yeah. like the like the scatolites were basically jazz musicians, like they had like zero problems with like some very tight intervals in their horn sections and Mm -hmm. like like the whole sort of like cleaning them up is is a thing that happens later um and i think that like fishbone did a good job of like hanging on to like that sort of like that like jazz level of density for their horn parts but they married it to like the like like ska music like like first wave ska musicians did like they what the innovation was to add was to apply them to a different set of rhythms you know it was like the same the same same harmonic density um you know suddenly like not swing rhythms anymore what happened like the way like the way that they're that part like like it's all like super on the beat like that like that's yeah Mm -hmm. that is some like that is some like very old school and very cool um you know classic ska early reggae stuff almost to the point where you wonder if they're quoting something else right <laughs> it's interesting poss- like it's it's possible and if, if if they're not actively quoting something else it's like definitely a kind of steeped in that like it that's not a thing that that's not a thing that like even like a r&b band would necessarily write mm-hmm. uh so but there's it's, but it's all like ska stuff is like all over their horn arrangements it's it's really cool um, speaking of like scatological stuff, there's a fair amount of like 
vocal scatological work. <laughs> uh, do you want to play the, the sample that I labeled blowing raspberries, mm-hmm. Nathan? I do want to play that. <laughs> this this <is> all great. <laughs> yes, it I is. like that a lot. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, yeah. Anything else to say about this song, or should we move on to something else? Um, I think that's all I have to say about it. Uh, so I think maybe it'd be worth talking about the the titular song, Chim Chim's Badass Revenge. Yeah, maybe we should go to that next. Yeah, let's listen to that. So this, they, in one of the intros, they essentially say that Chim Chim is a personification of the band Fishbone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it in one of the That's interludes what I or is it also. in Rockstar? Mm, oh, it might be in Interlude 1. Oh, okay. Uh, or maybe Interlude 2. But yeah, they. I think they essentially say Chim Chim, the metaphorical monkey, they say in one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fishbone so, alias Chim Chim. That's what I was thinking of in Interlude 2. There so they essentially is. say, like, that it's just another name for Fishbone. The real Chim Chims <laughs> were the Fishbones. We met along the way. <laughs> that's what I always say. Uh, yeah, so my understanding is that they were dropped by their label and that this is sort of a... They're saying that this is like an, a, a revenge album. Is that accurate is anyone else reading into that that's hard to say right yeah i mean like how like how they ended up at this place <laughs> to make this album you mean like like if, are they talking about themselves as a particular like is like are you saying this are you saying this album is autobiographical <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe uh like a historical fiction kind of thing yeah because uh, I mean, like later were... on in like in the song in the song Rockstar, they talk about basically that in the music industry you're only allowed to be a rock star if you're white, and we can talk more about that later. And that mm. like sort of and and I think in maybe one of those interludes they're talking about how they were confined to sound a certain way and like you know, maybe like their blackness was too distract, like for them to be that weird and that black, um, wasn't acceptable to the label or something, uh, which is entirely believable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a hundred percent believable. Like I like it's, it's, it's how I, it's how I understand fishbone as a band. You know, it's like they, they just had, they were really creative at a time when it was like very difficult for, creative black musicians to like to get the word out mm-hmm. right did do yeah. you specifically oh, yeah. cover uh what happened with their record label have we mentioned that because uh it, it looks like they were they were on sony records and they were dropped by sony records um uh, i don't know why yeah uh, unless it was for those reasons but i don't know if there's an on record reason for why 
I mean, it's probably just as simple as like they just didn't sell enough records. Right. Like it was just like a bunch of weirdos liked them and mm-hmm. that was that, you know? Like Sony gave them their shot and gave them a couple albums to make and then that was that. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. which is, which again is like not terribly surprising either. Like it's, <laughs> like I, I remember them like even in the context of like, like Fishbone was weird even in the context of like, the alt like alternative music of the 90s like mm-hmm. people thought that like sonic youth was fine and they uh. still thought fishbone was weird <laughs> you know it's like i and i i genuinely think that like part of it has to do with the fact that like the like the color dividing music in the 90s was still like very much a thing like there were really only a couple of of there really only a couple of artists that you would describe as like crossing over like i'm the i'm I'm of the age where, like, I had, like, a bunch of people my age, like, don't relate to or listen to hip-hop. And, like, mm-hmm. people my age had to go out of their way to, like, educate themselves about it in order to keep yeah. up. Mm-hmm. And, I like, that's that's a real thing. Like, like you, could, you can make a pretty decent argument that, like, Fishbone was just, like, too black for white audiences. Like, they don't, they didn't know what to make of them. They didn't buy the records. And that was that. Like, even though they sounded kind of like a rock band... Like there right. was just there was just too much there was just too much other stuff going on that like your average white listener didn't know how to like um, process I guess would be the word mm-hmm. you know or connect yes. with and like S- some so of that the was stuff that. that they sing about is like zeitgeist right now like right. the song riot totally. on this album totally. is just I I was listening to it and reading the lyrics and I was just like holy shit you know like totally. this is. <laughs> Right. It, it it really brings into you know cuz pe- people talk about like these these issues like um microaggressions or macroaggressions or systemic oppression and all of these things um as if they're sort of like a new fad or something and it's right. like no people have been saying this and making art about it for a really long time <laughs> oh, you know? for sure and you just for weren't sure. listening to them because they were the you know bravest people to like s- say it you know at right. the time uh, totally well and if i mean and i have to say like if not for like what i was describing where like a bunch of <laughs> you know if if not for what i was saying where like a bunch of black people educate me about these things when i'm a teenager like i wouldn't have known them either you know it's yeah. like that was the only that was the only way I would have known. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was it. It took a it, you know it, it. It took a lot too. I mean, there's there there was a there was a lot of like there was a lot of relearning to do <laughs> in the course of that in the course of being in that band. You know, mm-hmm. so this song, uh, this song doesn't lay out like the metaphor of Chim Chim very much. Uh, it just sort of talks about Chim Chim's mischievous power, uh, ignoring signals, breaking mm-hmm. the rules, draining your gas tank, running stop signs, blocking the sewers, and then also taking hostages and holding up banks. Mm-hmm. But that's that's basically it. Uh, the song is just sort of supposed to be like a an id celebration of like yeah uh, chaos. Mm-hmm. With one mega uh, nut bomb, you'll get blown up, up and away, with a uh, bounty full of kaboom, terrorizing, <laughs> keep your hair arising, and the sunshine reflects off of the moon. When you think it's over, Chim Chim's scar-facing the room. 
it's very it is very Looney Tunes. If Looney Tunes involved yeah, uh, Scarface massive, massive orgasms and ejaculations. <laughs> which I think is what Mega Nutbomb refers to, right? I mean that's what I thought too until we got into I mean, we're gonna talk about the last song, which I assumed was going to be, you know, a very a very sexual song. Uh, the uh, f- fight for the, uh, or it's just called nutmeg, mm-hmm. but the the fight for the nutmeg <laughs> song, and uh, it ended up being something uh, I guess a lot more profound, or is supposed to be at least. Um, I had a sound sample that I wanted to play on this one. Uh, they play taps like the you know the the bugle song that you play when uh like a military person is dead or whatever isn't that what taps is for mm-hmm. yeah uh, they play it on the electric guitar uh but then they like add in some uh some extra notes mm. uh to make it a little more interesting uh do you want to play that sound sample i do and uh welcome to Yep. So it kind of starts as taps, and then it kind of doesn't continue being taps. Da, 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 da. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they they yeah. have like they have. That's one of the other things I like about this band is like they tend to like head for these like kind of nice Eastern European, Middle Eastern tonalities every once in a while. They are just like ooh, delicious. <laughs> 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 you know. Yeah, I guess that specifically mm-hmm. would be like having a major third. And a minor six, like yeah, the, and like it implies a minor second. I don't know if they actually oh, ever play it. Like I don't know if they ever play it, but that you could hear it happening, right? Yeah. So uh, for non-music theory nerds who are listening, mm-hmm. that would be like you know Hava Nagila. <laughs> oh yeah, there. That's actually a perfect example. If you know what Hava Nagila is, it's just yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which incidentally is another like classic p-funk move like they they were super into like let's like there's a couple there's a couple of songs where they take a bunch of like jewish melodies and like cram them into their songs like as like horn lines or keyboard lines and things like that that's awesome great oh my god do they have any jewish uh heritage or they just like this music is good yeah i think it was just they i think they just thought that i think they just thought that they were cool which they are of course Uh, there's some, I mean, let's listen to this, like, wacky background theremin before we move on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The only way you can I'm assuming that's what that is? It sounds like it. It sounds like someone's just, like, wildly waving their arms around. A yeah. theremin in the vicinity of <laughs> Am a theremin. Am I doing it right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, a, yeah. what a bonkers music. It is a great idea. Would theremin be <laughs> pleased? <laughs> I mean, it's fun thinking of them as like laying down the tracks and then just being like, this thing needs more chaos. Like, how do <laughs> yeah. we... How do we just make this more chaotic? And it's like sometimes it means that they scream, and sometimes it means they drag out a theremin and <laughs> monkey sound effects. Yeah, yeah, but they're always just like, okay, this is fine, but we now it just needs to sound chaotic somehow. <laughs> uh, Nathan, do you have any what what songs do you want to talk about? 
Do you have any that stood out to you? Do you have hot takes on? Um, Cold takes on? Let's see. Alcoholic. Alcoholic is an interesting one. It was written by Angelo okay, Moore great. when he was a teenager. Um, oh, and, interesting. So that's... When the band was like five years old. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Already five years into their history. Yeah. <laughs> This this to me sounds a lot more like more traditional than than uh, a lot of uh, Fishbone songwriting. Does that does that seem right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was I was thinking the same. Like when they when we got when I got around to that part of the album, I was going like, oh yeah, here's like a straight up ska song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> so with this, yeah, the the tradition that they basically invented. Yeah, <laughs> it's traditional. Yeah, straight up third wave ska song. Yeah, that they invented. <laughs> Yeah, so this is a it's it's a pretty straightforward song uh, about how his uncle is an alcoholic and his dad had a party, um, four turntables and a reel to reel with a speaker on the roof and a speaker on the hill, um, and then they had a big party. And then he says his uncle is a holic, and he pa- he down a pound of whiskey with an eight for a chaser. Uh, oh God, it's <laughs> a lot. He ends up laying in the gutter like a skid row bum. Um, we we got a mention of rude boys in in one of the the uh, verses here, which is something we talked about a lot oh, when we covered Bob Marley and the Whalers, or Bob Marley, I guess is is who we focused on. Um, uh, what what was the thing they used to say? Rude boy rock? Was that it? Yeah, like it, it was a it was a reference to like a, a specific like Jamaican like uh, club culture, right? Yeah, or dance or something, something like that. Yeah, I yeah. think we I think we looked up pictures and they were wearing like zoot suits. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a lot That's of right. look. Yeah, it's it's a lot of cloth. Um, and and I gotta say, pretty rude, pretty oh. rude looking. <laughs> <laughs> so offensive. Um, his uncle called him a punk rocker in the doorway as he dribbled on the table when he started to say, "You're not a rude boy. You're a lazy boy. You should make like a tree and leave. Make a, like a library and book. Make like a roach and bug off." <laughs> Those are all great. <laughs> Those are great. <laughs> I like doing the easy one, but then I've never heard make like a library and book. And I think that's great. And I'm going to yeah, start rules. saying that. <laughs> it rules. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. yeah. It's pro library, which I also appreciate. <laughs> we're, we're an explicitly pro library podcast. That's the yeah. position we take. Yeah. We try to say it at least once an episode. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, I actually have a sound sample of that. Do you want to you want to play that? Oh yeah, I, I just thought that it was so charming that <laughs> we should include it. <laughs> I love how and they sing it too. Yeah. I was gonna like say library, I love how they book. don't. I love how they don't care about whether their lyrics scan. Mm-hmm. They just like <laughs> shove it in there. It's so great. <laughs> like make like a library. It's uh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I mean that's that's the thing though is that there are multiple people singing it and when when you have and this totally is another one of those like th- yes. those through composed 
songs where like mm-hmm. there's all these tempo changes and uh, it's the form is really strange. So there's so much intention put behind it that you're like, oh yeah, they're not just uh, faking their way through that part because they never got the <laughs> the lyric to scan right. Mm-hmm. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it feels it feels like very deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> oh, me too. Love it actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well. <laughs> that good catch on the rude boy thing, Nathan, because mm-hmm. he says right before the uh, I missed the radio reggae show. So obviously, like that's he doesn't mean like a lowercase r b and lowercase b rude boy, mm-hmm. even though that's how it's transcribed. <laughs> he <laughs> means an all caps rude boy. Oh yeah, yeah. that's yeah, how yeah. rude it is. <laughs> uh, I could have slammed me a poser. <laughs> I don't know if that's transcribed correctly. Um. Brian, I know I know that you particularly liked the song Monkey Dick. I loved <laughs> Talk it. about Monkey Dick. Mostly, like we were talking about, it was the horns. Like the horns in that are killer. So I was that that was that was that's my favorite of all the great horn lines on this album. This is my favorite one, and the one you that didn't, I'm, <laughs> you didn't like it for the scared straight like STD PSA aspect of it. <laughs> You know, honestly, like when I, as soon as those horns were playing, I like stopped listening to what they were saying. I was it's, just, it's, it's about I was just all something. in. Oh yeah, well sure, but it's like, I don't know. It doesn't. It's, <laughs> 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 I mean, okay. The other part of it is that like this. I mean, I keep coming back to the thing of like overarching. The overarching thing is that like their their lyrics are so intentionally silly that there's <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of like uh like yes if they were serious about this it would be more problematic to me but i feel <laughs> yeah. like they're just being so ridiculous like the whole thing yeah. is so ridiculous that's how we felt yeah. about icp a lot of the time actually um, yeah where it's right. like they're clearly not intending to like actually advocate for running around with a hatchet chopping people up uh, cutting course. someone's back right. off is, is is a thing that keeps coming up. <laughs> as they are wont to do. As they are wont to about. do, yeah. <laughs> it's a recurring theme. It's a leitmotif, right. I think they call it. Right. Um, so, like, similarly to this, like, as, as really, as soon as the horn line started going, I was I was oblivious to all else. <laughs> right. uh, well, yeah, let's let's cue it up. Let's, let's take a listen to those horns. But I'm down on my knees. The screams, they're so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this song rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I took the horn. Let's listen to the horn hook, or one of the many. Yeah, horn the hooks thing in at the, the beginning. Song. Yeah, I think that's what I got. Yeah. Mm, that's... Those are some crutchy horns. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. You just go like, what are, What even are the notes? <laughs> I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then it's like the rhythm is super tight. 
right? It's like they they like yeah. nail that rhythm. So you're just like, yeah, you meant it. <laughs> you meant yeah. You meant every one of those notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful, absolutely yep. beautiful. And then like that's that's one where like I can't. That's just where I was saying like before that classic that horn line felt very classic to me. This horn line is like nobody but Fishbone writes this. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the like right. This is your. This is what it sounds like when Fishbone writes horn lines. Mm-hmm. It really makes me wonder who who wrote that horn part. Was it everyone? Sort of. Was it one person deciding what the main melody is, and then everyone clustering around them? It's a good question. Or did someone right? like? Did like they arrange said, that? Suspect they didn't write it out, but yeah, it's just so specific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, for I mean, for what it's worth, like my experience of like being in a horn section is that it's it's more it's always a little bit more organized than you think it is mm-hmm. like they're uh-huh. designed they're designed to sound chaotic but like right. actually chaotic is not that interesting mm-hmm. like you need like a couple of rules and then you end up with like more rules than you think and then people go like wow you guys are just going for it you're like no actually we rehearsed this to death <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's really interesting you know, it's just that it like it sounds chaotic because it's really tight, mm-hmm. and like you don't get that tightness without like playing it five hundred times. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's kind of like when I was in the bell like choir at church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of similar. You know, it it is though. It is similar. <laughs> that's that's just it. It is similar. <laughs> yeah, like I remember some of our arrangements of "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God." Where people were just like, ah, "Wow, that was incredible!" Just pure id. Nope. <laughs> you guys really went for it. <laughs> You're off the chain. I felt like I was there in the fortress. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it's it's easy for me to imagine that they like they definitely like work that all out and then go okay let's hit record like mm-hmm. I mean it, it's not like it took them like weeks but I can imagine it taking them like an hour you know mm-hmm. yeah of just playing that little horn line well an hour well spent mm-hmm. that was, it's that's fucking great <laughs> oh my god oh my god yeah that was that was kind of what sold me on this record this is worth talking about right which is that this guy this record got terrible reviews oh it when did? it came out. Yes. Oh wow. I decided to look this up and like nobody liked this record. And like again, looking back on it, I'm just like how did The main thing is that I don't understand why they let or they hated this record and loved Truth and Soul because they seem like kind of similar records to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> like like they're all just kind of like, you know, fishbone music, right? Mhm. And like yeah. somehow like somehow like the critical opinion turned on them. And one suspects that it has something to do with like losing their record label and there's some narrative built into that about how it's like there must have been a problem with the band mm-hmm. you know and now the knives are out and the things that come across as charming become grating and what whatever whatever yeah you mm-hmm. know but like yeah like that like that horn line is what made me like when you were saying what you were saying before cameron about how it's like is the chaos intentional or not yeah like, that horn line is like the proof of how intentional it is <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know yeah and i feel like they they have uh i feel like they have a lot more to say in this album as like people and yeah. i don't yeah speci- i don't specifically mean the lyrics but i think that's part of it because there was a lot of like can't we all just get along sentiments in earlier albums i believe mm. also in in truth and soul and in this album 
there's there's a song i actually i think it's on riot which i think we should talk about next mm-hmm. uh there, there's a at the very end someone says can't we all just get along um and they're like lampooning that idea in the context of like people criticizing uh rioting hmm. like race riots i don't know if this was around the the rodney king it would times have been after right? definitely Before. yeah definitely after and but only only a few years um yeah, I was going to say, like, I, if I had heard this album when it came out, I would have assumed those were the riots that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, I mean, it makes, you, it makes you wonder if part of the reason that, you know, people didn't like it is because they're backing down from some of their, like, you know, unity, <laughs> their Joe Biden-esque, like, unity right. ideas. <laughs> and oh, they're yeah. saying, like, no, oh, let's definitely. fucking riot because, like, we totally. need to. Uh, yes, Definitely. I mean, it, it really is, like, to me, pretty easy to map that onto the 90s. Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, those of I mean, this is, you know, those of us who are my age have a real reckoning to do with that. You know, it's like, we've been, we've been enjoying watching the millennials and the boomers, like, basically shoot each other to death while we sit around <laughs> and watch TV. But, like, we have, like, the, the truth is, is that we, like, the 90s are not, as different from like the fifties as we want them to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a good way of like putting there's, it. Y- it. Yeah. I mean like that, that color divide was so real up until like very, very recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like if like for those of us who went through like our twenties, you know, in that, or like for me, it would be like our early, my early twenties, like it, yeah, it's just it, like that. That divide was was really real, and it it it's like, um, like this reckoning that we're going through now feels like thirty years overdue. You know, like how did we not? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> how did we not start talking? Like, why didn't we start talking about this? Like, it, that should have been our job in our twenties to talk about it, and like nobody really wanted to. Like, right. I I definitely remember bringing this kind of thing up because I was like that jerk. And yeah. you know, people would be like, "Stop it! You're just like, you know, like it'd be, it'd be like lighten up, mm. or yeah, <laughs> it's quite harsh and my mellow." Yeah, there was a lot of like lighten up going on, mm-hmm. or there was a lot of like you know, down boy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like you don't really understand how it really works. You know, like there's a lot of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, yeah, it, that that idea of like things are more complicated than you think, like. Yeah. You know, or like things were more complicated back then. It's like, yeah, when I listen to this song, it's just like, it feels like we haven't made any progress. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. The progress is Uh, that we're talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It seems like it's like the same, it's the same problems. At the very least, we're talking about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is really nice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, we should listen to Riot and then maybe, I don't know, choose like one more song and then wrap up. Sounds good to me. Yeah, let's take a listen to Riot. Riot! Riot! Yeah! Yeah, we bridge our fucking storm up! And at this point, you know we don't give a fuck! What's your head? You said, anyway! You just look crazy! You're gonna get crazy! Lift your shit! Shoulder! We got shit smoking. Even down to the burning of the the burning of the stores. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, this, you know, they probably like, were like, like, what about the economy, the small businesses? <laughs> 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 um, yeah, this would have been like, I mean, it, the album came out in 96, but I'm sure they were like writing the songs for a couple years beforehand. So this is probably not more than like a few years um, like removed from the Rodney King riots. Right. Because those were what, 92? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Look at yeah, that shit so smolder. Mm. <laughs> well, it's also like I mean they like they're you know they're an LA based band. Um, oh, I forgot that. And part. the yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like I that that riot really did leave a um, it left a mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess you'd say like it was it was the like it there were there were definitely a lot of um, white people who were scared after that and kind of stayed scared and it became was yeah. like the you know the archetype for like this is what happens when you like let everything go you know mm-hmm. it's like yeah. it all the all the usual things got trotted out and that was that i like like it's like 90 96 is not culturally speaking far away from 1992 mm-hmm. right <laughs> you know uh i I just think some of the lyrics they're like they're delivered so quickly, but I think they're just so neatly put together in in a in a way that often Fishbone doesn't do, but I feel like they want their point to be very clear, so they're using like the punk medium and they're saying things like right on the nose, you know, and they're just like being very explicit about what they mean. And they say these great things like when you ain't got shit, make you want to loot shit. Mm-hmm. Um just these, you know, uh, that's like the conversation, right? You know, it's like they're they're having these ang- angry answers to all of the complaints that get brought up when um, black people, you know, decide that they have enough, um, that they've had enough, rather. Uh, like, yeah, of course we're going to loot. We don't have enough. We don't have what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to burn your store. Treat your customer crazy. They're going to act crazy. <laughs> I thought that was such a great, a great little, <laughs> great little couplet, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really appreciated this. Yeah. Um, it's musically, it's just like, is this the punkiest song we've heard them do? Punky. I, yeah. I don't know if that's a, a word or appropriate at all <laughs> in the way the I'm punky using it. Brewsterist song. <laughs> the, the punkiest <laughs> Brewsterist song punky. that they've ever did do. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's gotta be up there i mean like the the drums um and the yeah. the amount of distortion and and also just the form of it mm-hmm. you know the chorus just being riot riot mm-hmm. so it's right good. there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this kind of stuff is like really refreshing this is the stuff i wanted to hear from fishbone and that i was often really disappointed when we wouldn't get it when they're like <laughs> i don't know i always like their silliness uh or at least am interested in their silliness in the previous albums but when it's they very would, charming i mean yeah, but it's they, very charming yeah. when they would get sort of like lofty and when they would spout like sentiments and like platitudes that to me felt very like white hippie attitudes Mm-hmm. about like peace and love um yeah it was just like really hard to swallow because i was like why are you it, oh and this is a thing we didn't bring up earlier but um brian you're asking about <laughs> uh, offensive things there's there's all of this like um victim blaming of like uh 
drug addicts. Yeah. Like people who are addicted to drugs yeah. and people right. who are doing sex work in order to uh, purchase drugs and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. It was, it, it at times <laughs> felt like, like you were listening to like an old white boomer complaining, uh, going on like a racist rant. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like really, it was like really challenging to hear coming from you know these voices, and it's I I'm happy and and relieved to hear these songs uh, on on this album that um, I don't know <laughs> aren't as awful <laughs> culturally and actually stand and actually do stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's. It- this is, I, this is great. I get to just like I'm not even defending my generation because I don't really care about it. But the, <laughs> but the, like, but it it is like a really remarkable how like I was saying like how like I feel like the 90s resembled the 50s more than they resemble now. Like the mm. the I, the cultural changes that we have gone through have been so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, the last couple of years, it's like it's amazing how quickly things that aren't that old sound super old. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like wow, wow. Like that might as but that might as well have been like seventy years ago, and it was like done in like right. two thousand two or something. Right? right? You just go like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's 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 kind of. I mean, culturally speaking, I feel like it's like great. I like it's like an overdue correction, you know. So it's all coming out at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's like we're all aging like twenty years and three years or something it's god it, something. it feels like that it really does <laughs> yeah no it really I feel does way it's older like, than i should <laughs> it is amazing like i don't feel any need to like defend stuff like that you just go like look man like times change and they changed really fast mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's like keep up just try to keep up that's okay <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh well what should we talk about for the last song we could talk about fight for the nutmeg uh but i'm d- also down to talk about any of these other ones I think. I mean, that's my vote. I think. Mm. Is this, should we talk about getting mega nuts? <laughs> Get mega nuts. <laughs> so I think this requires a little bit of background, Brian. In case you didn't listen to, I believe the last song on um, "Give a Monkey Brain," and he'll think he's the center of the universe. Um, they introduce the concept of nutmeg in the fishbone verse, which is <laughs> uh, it's not a, it's not what you think it is. It's not a thing you put in French toast batter. It's actually a mega nut, as in like a very big and good orgasm. Um, <laughs> and also just a metaphor for sex in general. Um, yeah. And and not like necessarily, especially gentle or collaborative sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, and yeah, that's uh, <laughs> so when I saw when I saw Nutmeg as the last song again on this album, I had a very specific set of of expectations and then i was surprised to find that this is a a very different song than i thought it was going to be Mm -hmm. so let's let's uh It's a very long song, and I, I struggled to get a represent, representative clip. The song is sure. ten and a half minutes long. Wow! 
Um, <laughs> Let's hear it again. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> yeah, we did. Okay. Oh, I did. <laughs> I wonder if that'll be picked up on the recording. If if it doesn't, well, we'll see. just know there was a blast of like uh, five times yeah. as loud uh, snippet of that song. <laughs> just because I fumbled my um, Spotify music player. Um, so yeah, the content of the lyrics, it's like freeing your mind, uh, peace, uh, uh, what else? Uh, fight for self with stealth. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not a lot of unique lyrics in here, like unique within the song. Um, but um, it's it's closer to the some of those loftier, like uh, non-specific inspirational songs that we've heard from in the past. But they're still saying nutmeg. <laughs> yep, <laughs> they are. It's become this sort of like uh, mantra. That means something a lot bigger than what it used to mean. And I don't know why. Yeah. being so serious about it. (laughs) Does it feel earned now? Like, do you you feel like you can get behind the concept? I felt like I could get behind the concept before. (laughs) 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 I just don't know. (laughs) I mean, it was pretty cut and dry before. And they delivered the idea in a pretty hilarious way. It was like, I get it. Mega nut, nutmeg. Sure. I think. Mm -hmm. Right. Me- lots of people could get behind that uh so to speak but uh so to speak <laughs> uh uh-huh but yeah this i i don't necessarily i want them to keep developing it and just you know they're saying like fight for nutmeg if it's the last thing you ever do fight for nutmeg it's all between you and you fight for nutmeg nutmeg get your shit together mm-hmm. uh yeah you want peace? I need peace. He need peace. We need peace. Um, and apparently, the way to do that is to fight for nutmeg if it's the last thing you ever do. <laughs> is this about like a post nut clarity, or are they make are they trying to are they trying to make some like implication about how um, so much, especially like male violence, is just uh, like repressed sexuality and like sexuality sublimated into into violence? Do you think that's what they're getting at? Or am I reading too much no. into it? <laughs> I I mean I really don't know. I don't think they yeah. I don't think they really have a meaning behind it. It's just that I enjoy this song more at the end of this album, uh, because this is their one like sort of poetic bluff song. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't feel annoyed at them and I'm like willing to listen to a ten minute song uh about not, about what nutmeg really means right and and to not come away with a clear answer because i feel like they've they've earned that patience from me by the end of this album do you do you so think, i'm happy to to hear it here's a question is this a serious song or is it a goofing song or is it maybe somewhere in between <laughs> i mean i keep comparing them to, i keep comparing them to p-funk and like this is the this is one that's like super p-funk that way yeah where it's like, it's it's like super jokey and super serious. It's it's I I feel like it's like that that band's excelled at that. I mean it's it's like I I think of like I think of P Funk's music as both like, um, virtually like cartoony and like sort of like five year old in its sense of humor mm-hmm. and also like some of the most deeply spiritual music I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I I feel like I feel like this is one of those songs where it's like they don't like this this would pass for like a this would pass for like a good P funk song. Mm-hmm. Not the best P funk song, mm-hmm. but like 
you know, a good one. They've like they've got they've got that whole thing going on where it's like they're joking, but you're but you're also like I think they're actually putting together like a bunch of different ideas right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're leaving it to you to like you know connect it all up. But I don't I don't think they quite I don't think they quite get there the way that P Funk at its best got there. But right. it's it's awful close. <laughs> I I really enjoy that that tension that you're talking about, Nathan, of like, is this serious or not or somewhere in between? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really pleasant water to swim in. I've been listening to Thundercat a lot lately, and I don't know why it took me so long to start listening to him. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't know that he was the reason that to pimp a butterfly sounds the way that it does. Um, Mm, so I I started listening to his music and it's, it's very, very silly, (laughs) (laughs) um, which I wasn't expecting, you know, because to pimp a butterfly is not silly. It's like occasionally (sighs) silly, but it's silly, silly in ways that are very serious and very cool. Mm -hmm. You know? Yes. Like, uh, you know, they're talking about smelling yams walking down the street or whatever, and you're like, "This what's the at yams? least to me?" <laughs> uh, well, the yams silly the is not a being... word I would use to describe Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's there's moments I mean, of lightheartedness, there's, but there's in humor. general, it's very right. serious. I'm very serious. Yeah, and I, you know, I started listening to Thundercat, and it seems on the surface mostly very silly on purpose. Um, but then there's these moments like <laughs> there's this song, uh, I think it's called Restless Nights in Tokyo, or maybe that's just the the chorus. I, have either of you seen the music video for this or, mm. or heard it? Mm-mm. No, no. Um, he's talking basically about how he's like a huge uh, weeaboo, which is to say mm. an, an American obsessed with Japanese culture. Um, mm. And the and. He's he's talking about like spending all his money like buying like Gundams and shit uh, <laughs> in in Tokyo like on his first trip, uh, and then at one point in the song he says uh, he, he's talking about how alienated he's been because of how much of a nerd he is, and he and he sings Goku fucking ruined me, <laughs> and <laughs> which is a, a hilarious thing that I don't think anyone's ever said before, but but people have absolutely thought that before um, or felt that. And (laughs) there's something serious there that he's like processing in this very, very silly song. Um, And I don't know, (laughs) like that's, I I really like that, that energy. And I feel more ready to meet Fishbone on that level after this album, where I feel like they really effectively talk about serious things that I at least care about. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, I I think um, those are both great uh, comparisons to drive. I'm not super familiar with Thundercat, but I I know a little bit about P Funk, and I yeah I think that's a a really good comparison to draw, and I think you're really onto something there, Brian. It's all I have. <laughs> uh, these these P Funk and Fishbone takes. Uh... <laughs> worth their weight in gold mm. um i mean it, it is interesting to think about them in the context of like we don't get like the the idea that like if we, if we don't get outcasts without fishbone yeah. we also don't get we don't get janelle monet without fishbone oh god <laughs> mm. you know you're like whoa <laughs> come a long way <laughs> we don't we don't got the pink 
without Fishbone. I mean, it's 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 something like you have you have to give them some credit for that. You know, it's that that was a thing. That was a thing that they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, let's. Uh, Let's close out um, into our like final credits and stuff. Uh, but let's before we stop talking about Fishbone, let's uh, let's hear the horn hook to fight for Nutmeg. Another super great horn hook. Yeah. <laughs> That's so badass. This <laughs> <laughs> extension yeah. so great. I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tasty well, stuff. Um, uh, Brian, do you have anything? Uh, you have anything you want to plug? Anything you've been working on other than just like staying oh, alive and good. sane during God. the pandemic? <laughs> uh, I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> no, you're a journalist. Really you're an author. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're yes, a musician. Yes. Moonshells. Moonshells ha- came out with an album. We did. We uh, it's did. It's so great. I love that album. Oh my god! Thanks for saying so. Yeah. It's, thanks for making it's, it. Uh, <laughs> I know it's an ex- it's it's a real expression of like positivity, which is really nice for me to have to do. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like the rule in the band: you can't be too negative. Mm-hmm. And it turns out writing positive songs is hard. It's a lot easier to write negative songs. <laughs> I believe it. Is, yeah, you is, I, is that at themoonshells.com? Am I in the right place? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Everyone go check out themoonshells.com. Yeah, uh what's what's that song um is it New Year's Day? Is that the song? Is That's that a one song of them, that you yes. do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think of YouTube. That is a song that I do. I mean, I know that it is a song, but <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to know if that was the title. That um, is it. Yes. I'm giving you a hard time. Uh, thank you. I accept my hard time. Um, I'm going to double down on it. Uh, I'm going to see if I can make no harder for myself. Yeah. Uh, there, there it is. Yep. <laughs> Stephen Foster's one banger. <laughs> um, Hot takes. Uh, uh, but uh, I love that song. And it you, you all do a great job at writing lyrics, which is not a thing that I, I had ever experienced from you, Brian, before the Moonshells was a thing? It's like, actually, like, I've, I've never actually, like, written songs seriously until this. It, you know, it honestly makes a lot of sense, because I love the, the things that you say and write. So I, I think it makes sense that you should write good lyrics as well. And, Though, uh, like, the lyrics are written super collectively. Like, we... Of course. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but I'm assuming like it's, that some of those individual words <laughs> you came up with. Yeah, I mean, some, some of the them. articles and, and some of them. And yeah, I mean, yeah. they really it really is cool how collaborative it is. Like if someone were to be like, who wrote what? I'd be like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> like like it, it's all like very entangled by the time it's all done, which it's it's kind of cool because I think usually that process can lead to something kind of boring. And for some reason with with us, it makes it better. <laughs> Right. It's not like a, it's an actual synergy as opposed to like going for synergy yeah, and getting something yeah, less a, than the sum. Yes, totally. Totally. So it's, it's, it's really nice. I mean, they're def. I mean, I say this in the sense of like, I like the Moonshell songs more than anything I would ever write by myself. Great. <laughs> <laughs> like they're definitely better. So mm-hmm. that's that collaboration. Cool. Good stuff. Well, Nathan, do you want to close this out? Yeah. 
Everyone go check out themoonshells.com. We'll have a link in the show notes also. And we'll be back next week with, uh, let's see, what is it? Shit, what is it? The Psychotic Friends Networks? Uh, sorry, no. It's the, <laughs> I wonder what that's about. It's Fishbone and the Familyhood Exper- <laughs> Next Experience present the Psychotic Friends Networks. Um, and it's released on Disney's Hollywood Records, apparently. Oh, good. So Amazing. We're going to hear what the Pretty Disney sure you can version. listen to it on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yeah. That's like that's like one of my favorite opening credits for a movie is and it says Walt Disney presents a David Lynch film. <laughs> which is Wait, which movie is that? The one that's for the straight story, which was rated G. I didn't know that was wow. a David Lynch film. That's the one about the guy who oh, like yeah. rides the riding lawnmower. The guy the on country. the tractor. Yeah. yeah. But it's like I remember oh, I like I one. saw it's so good. I saw that I like I mean, I'm a huge David Lynch fan, but so I saw that movie in the theater and like that happened and like everyone just started laughing. (laughs) 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 It's just like, well, well. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. All right. Well, we'll we'll be back next week with that uh, that next Fishbone album. In the meantime, you can visit us online at boxset.website. Email us at email at boxset.website. Tweet us at Topias Podcast. Go on that iTunes, uh, jam those stars, mash those keys for the review words. Uh, And if you want to support us even more directly than that, you can go to our Patreon at support.boxset.website. And if you kick us a few bucks, you'll get access to all of our bonus materials, which include. Uh, some longer full-length um, bonus materials and also a weekly mini-show called What's in the Box Weekly, which is kind of a, a culture club podcast. And uh, what do we talk about this week, Cameron? Oh, uh, <laughs> we did not record it yet. Usually we record it as a warm-up, but we wanted to respect Brian's time and not expect him to do that with us. So we're recording yes. it afterwards. And Brian, you're welcome to stick around uh, and obviously welcome to not do that, <laughs> too. Yes. It's up to you. It's, it's, it's a fun little mini show, but uh, it is also much more loosey-goosey than the main show. Uh, you should also listen to Cameron's other podcast, which is called Get Up in the Cool. And uh, is usually is and is about acoustic musics, but y- you're you've been teasing a, an electric guest, or should we? Oh say, yeah, Shohei's- Should we say? <laughs> hang on, uh, hang on, one sec, one sec. Electric baby. Oh, good. <laughs> now, Brian, that's from our <laughs> Billy Joel season of. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Yeah. He, had a, been, he uh... had a song about electric babies. <laughs> It's really weird. Uh, yeah, that that'll be coming out. Shohei Sitsumi's, um fiddle tunes and and uh, old time songs on electric guitar, uh, <laughs> recorded in his in his soundproof room in Osaka. <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. As soon as I can figure out what how I'm going to jam with him asynchronously, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to just play banjo on it. Ooh, we'll see. interesting. It'll, it'll be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And everyone should go listen to Brian's episodes. Those are some of my favorite episodes. I think it's like episode five or something. It's one of the first ones. And then episode 100 where he interviews me along with uh, Scotty Leach. So That was fun. It was great. <laughs> so, someday I'm going to release all of the B-roll of that episode because I have it all recorded. There's like two and a half hours of stuff. Um, was it really and, that long? My, yeah. my, my condolences. My, I mean, my gratitude that... It was, a lot of it was just like uh, getting our act together, and I ex- expected you all to learn very difficult tunes on the fly. So, 
All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I've been Nathan Hunt, and I'm deep in the toilet, way down deep where no good scent can spoil it. <laughs> uh, and I, I've i been Cameron DeWitt, and I'm intentionally sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian, we're putting you on the spot. You don't need to have a, a, a clever callback. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't have one. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. It was great us, to Brian. have you. <laughs> Totally. It was super fun. Oh, man. I jumped the gun. This is it's hard do it. to do three I, people. I'm not editing it out. Damn it. This very similitude is delicious. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> Love you. Uh, oh, Nathan, you, you know that I love ellipses hate you. <laughs> <laughs>